Praise the Lord. Welcome to Cross Time with Pastor Curtis this morning. I'm excited to be here with you online and here with you in this uh, studio that we have here at Crossway Church. And if you're anywhere near Atlanta, Queen City, Texarkana, uh, Shreveport, which is only about an hour away. We have a lady here from uh, Shreveport every Friday. So I encourage you to drive, be with us, bring your Bible and paper, pencil, and we'll get in the Word. We'll study the Word. And, and it's a whole lot better to be here if you can than just being online because you'll be a whole lot more focused and get a whole lot more out of being here than you would if you weren't. But thank God for technology. And this is session six, and we're in our discussion of righteousness. And I want to know. I want you to know that uh, every Friday morning at 9 a.m. right here on my Pastor Curtis Facebook page, we're discussing righteousness for a season, as long as the Lord directs us to do so. And uh, every Monday and Thursday morning, live on my Pastor Curtis Facebook page at 8:30 a.m., we're discussing or teaching rather the Book of Romans, and we're in Romans chapter six right now, and it is such a great blessing. <clears throat> to me to be able to share it because I learn even more as I share it and you get to partake of that and many people are online and so don't forget that after the sessions are over being live on my Pastor Curtis Facebook page that they're always uploaded to the YouTube channel which is Curtis Hutchinson 316 and then also the website thecrosswaychurch.com and uh, you can go find these there. And you can also donate on the website, thecrosswaychurch.com. Many of you are being blessed. Many of you are being encouraged. Many of you are learning of the Holy Spirit through this ministry. And I would encourage you to sow into that where you are learning. Uh, a lot of people are sowing just into ministries because they're big and they're known all over the world. You and I are called to sow into that which is providing for us to grow spiritually. And so I encourage you to pray for us. So there's always financial needs, equipment, and other things that are needed here in the ministry. So I encourage you to sow into good ground and God won't let you down. He will bless you tremendously uh, when you're sowing into a fruitful ground. And what I call fruitful ground and the Bible calls a fruitful ground is a ministry that's preaching the gospel. Not says that it is, but is determined to preach nothing else but Christ and Him crucified. And you can test Him in that and I promise you He'll show Himself faithful on your behalf. And so don't forget uh, to help us do that. And one last thing, please don't just like these teachings on Facebook. Don't just comment on there. And upon saying that, don't be on there preaching your own messages. And if you see people on there doing that, you know you... You don't have to, you can slide that out of the way and not look at. Some people are just after to make a name for themselves or after to be heard and known. But we're here to hear this teaching, not to hear somebody else's teaching. And for this hour and my Monday and Thursday mornings, we're not here to, to watch somebody else preach while I'm teaching and preaching. And uh, if you want to make a comment, that's fine. You go ahead and do it. But some people get on there and just try to preach and draw attention to themselves. Please don't do that. But please share these messages on your Facebook page. Share them so other people can hear these great teachings. And it's not great because I'm teaching it. It's great because it's God's Word as it is truth and in righteousness 
Which brings us to the subject that we're dealing with, which is righteousness. It's a very important topic, and uh, you can't separate anything God's doing from righteousness. He, first of all, had to make you righteous to justify you. You had to be righteous in the eyes of God for Him to justify your entrance into heaven, your entrance into His family. He had to make you righteous, and He did that through your faith in the righteousness of Christ and His work at Calvary, and through that... He justifies you through the blood. Praise God. You got to be righteous to get into heaven. <clears throat> you got to be righteous to bear the fruit of righteousness, which means you've got to be born again. You've got to be in Christ. And everybody who's ever believed in Christ and what he did about their sin at Calvary, the shedding of his blood, his death, God has declared you and I righteous. Please go back and look at the previous five teachings on this. You'll be blessed. And he's declared you righteous, and that's who you are in Christ. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. But your mission now is to bear forth the fruit of that righteousness, not just go about your own business and thinking that God's going to do whatever God's going to do. No, God's going to do what he can do through your faith, that same faith that made you righteous and made you a servant of righteousness is the only faith he will honor and that you can experience the bearing forth of the fruit of his righteousness. And I tell you, even in the Old Covenant, and we'll look at that first this morning in Hosea chapter 10, we're going to look at verse 12 in the 10th chapter of Hosea this morning. Even in the Old Covenant, God was all about bringing His people to a place of bearing forth the fruit of righteousness. You see, it's what God declared even Abraham as being when he believed in him, upon him, that God was the justifier of the ungodly. And the only way God does that is through the sacrificial work of Christ, typified in type and shadow form, symbolically, of all the animals that were crucified in the Old Covenant all pointed to Christ one day coming who is the only one who is our righteousness. You see, righteousness, they were declared by God to be righteous in the Old Covenant because of their faith in the promise of God that would make them righteous which was faith in the sacrifice. And so, uh, you know, that's why God considers those who believe in His Son, Jesus Christ, to be His friends because we're the ones He has saved through the blood of His Son, not because we did anything, not because we got water baptized, not because we went to church, but because Jesus paid it all, did it all. Hebrews 1 and 3 tells us that when he had by himself purged us from our sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. And God, listen, when we fell into sin in the Garden of Eden, we fell from that place that God had made us, which was what? Right perfect, good. We were right. We were perfect. We were good. Have you ever wondered where the sin nature came from? Have you ever wondered, if we didn't have one, how did we all of a sudden have a sin nature when we sinned and disobeyed God? Where did it come from? Was it just floating around waiting to jump in you? No. The sin nature is a result of believing the devil. The nature of the evil one, the rebellion against God that was found in his heart. And when we obeyed him, listened to him, and Eve did. Eve listened to the devil, was deceived of the devil, 
And then her husband Adam listened to his wife in the deception that came through the devil through from the devil through her to him and that same spirit of the devil entered into them. That's why Jesus would show up and tell the Pharisees, religious Pharisees, your daddy is the devil. That's where it came from. If before we're born again, our daddy is the devil, then our, we have the spirit of our daddy, the devil. That's why that old man's got to be put to death. We've got to die and be born again completely. God doesn't take anything of the old and use it to make you new. He completely puts you to death because there ain't none of you that's worth anything except to God and his love for you in saving. God didn't see anything worth saving. So that's where the sin nature came from. It came from the one who lied to us and who deceived and lied to us and we believed and became what he is, a sinner. Amen. So even in the book of Hosea, even in the old covenant, God was trying to get his people back to a place of being righteous, something we lost when we became sinners. Again, when God formed us of the dust of the ground, breathed into our nostrils, we became a living soul. There was absolutely nothing wrong with us. We were right in the eyes of God. We were good in the eyes of God because God never cre creates anything that's not perfect. And we were in his eyes perfect, clothed in his glory, representing him, had dominion over all the earth. But when we sinned, we fell from that glorious place. We fell from what was right to be totally what was wrong. Nothing good about us. It was all corrupt and became depraved. And that we lost that right status in the eyes of God. We lost that fellowship. We lost that relationship. We lost it all. We were no longer right in the eyes of God. We were corrupt and worse than we'll ever know. And if you're not born again, think about this. Only the people who've been born again through the thousands of years since God created man in his own image, when we fail into sin, those who are living in sin, never been saved, 6,000 years man is still falling. That's why they're getting to the point they don't even know which bathroom to go in. Don't wonder why that's happening because you're... Men are still falling into deeper and deeper darkness. They may think they're smart with technology and computers and TVs and, and where you don't have to get up and turn today, just mash. Oh, we think we're so smart, but we're falling deeper and deeper into a place of sin until one day, the Bible says, if Jesus doesn't come back and save us, if he doesn't cut the time short, we would have all destroyed ourselves, the Bible says, because we're wicked. But through the blood of Jesus, he has brought us back to a place of being right and good and perfect in Christ, not in the everything we are, but in Christ we're right, perfect, and right I mean righteous. Good and perfect in the eyes of God because we're in the righteous and the perfect and the holy one. Amen. So, back in Hosea chapter 10, verse 12, session 6 today, the 26th day of April, the, uh, uh, April the 26, 2019. I like to throw that in so we'll know where this when this recording took place. Uh, the Bible says, Sow to yourselves in righteousness. Sow to yourselves in righteousness. Reap in mercy. 
Break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord till He comes and rains righteousness upon you. Now this is not talking about out there for your carrots and your corn, my friend. This is talking about your heart, the fallow ground of your heart. He's talking about sowing to yourselves in righteousness, yielding the seed, planting. It's what sowing means, disseminating. It's what sowing means, disseminate. When you listen, when you plant something, you're yielding seed. You're you're giving your attention to something. You can't just say, "I wish I had some corn and some crops out there," and, and them just man, it's gonna happen. You can't even ask God to grow you some corn and potatoes if he if you don't let Him carry you out there with seed to sow into the ground. Then you're not getting no corn and potatoes. You're not getting anything. And here He's telling His people, "Sow to your." Yourselves in righteousness. And how we do that, how they did that, is how we do that. We give ourselves to the Word of God. We give ourselves to the Word of God because Romans 10 and 10 says it's with the heart men believe unto righteousness. And here he's talking about the heart. He says, if you sow to yourselves in righteousness, you will reap mercy. Know this, mercy comes to nobody except through faith in the sacrifice. Righteousness is always tied to the sacrifice. Not just to get you in the kingdom and to be righteous, but if your faith moves from the sacrifice, even as a born-again Christian, if it moves from the sacrifice, you're no longer sowing, disseminating the proper seed. About a year ago, or thereabouts, in my office, I told the Lord, thank you. I was just praising God, worshiping God, and the words came out of my mouth. And, and I said, Lord, thank you for overlooking my sin. And he said, immediately, he spoke to my heart, he quickened my spirit, and he told me, I, I, I never overlooked your sin. I forgave your sin because of my mercy. There is no such thing as God being merciful to you except through the cross. He offers His mercy to all the world, but we can only have it through faith in the cross. Whether it's day one and we hear the gospel and we believe the gospel, what do we do on that day? We yield our hearts as fallow ground and we receive the word into our hearts, not our heads. The only receiving place is in the heart. Uh, I want to show you something, and we'll come back to this. Uh, let's, let's look at, let me see here, Romans chapter 6. I want to show you something this morning, uh, something the Lord showed me this morning. Romans chapter 6, uh, verse, is it 17? I want to show you something. Yes, yeah. Romans 6 and 17, and I want you to hear this this morning. It, it, listen, if you turn me off because you've heard enough of Romans chapter 6, you ain't got a clue about it yet. Because people who have grabbed a hold, or the, the Lord, the Holy Spirit has grabbed a hold of us through this revelation of what he's talking about in Romans chapter 6, those people can't get enough. I'm telling you, they can't get enough. People who turn it off, and yeah, I know that, like the woman told me years ago. Uh, she'd come for a few months. She said, I'm going back to my church, Brother Curtis. I, I, I've got the message of the cross now. Bless her heart. If she'd have had it, she'd still be wanting more of it. But watch this, Romans chapter 6, verse 17. But God be thanked that you were 
the servants of the sin nature. But you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine, watch this, which was delivered you. That word, when you, and, and, and we want to talk about this for a minute. The Lord blessed me this morning earlier with this, uh, and, and it's so precious to me. He said the word delivered means somebody offered and you were receptive. Listen, and, and he gave me an illustration immediately this morning when I was thinking about this. Just I am delivering, I'm doing my part in delivering this gospel. It ain't delivered till it gets in your heart. And he showed me, he said if the UPS, the FedEx man delivers a package, he's doing his part and he puts it on your front porch, but if you don't go out there and get it and open it and receive it, it ain't been delivered to you, it's just been delivered to your porch. The reason the word not only was this form of doctrine delivered by somebody else who'd received it to you, but you received it. You obeyed it from the heart. A lot of people aren't really receiving this message. It's being delivered to them by somebody who is receiving it. It's being delivered like the mailman, but until it's received in the heart, you ain't got it, honey. The package is still out on the porch. You're, you're still wondering what the cross is all about. You're still wondering what's in that package. It's time today to open that package, hallelujah. But you've got to yield yourself to it. You got to get, this is something you give yourself to. You give yourself to it. How do I do that? By believing from the heart. Giving my heart. Yielding my heart. Yielding. Giving way to. The word means presenting myself to God through this avenue. So think about that. This form of doctrine which was delivered you. Some preacher delivered this message, <coughs> the message of the cross, he pushed it towards you. <coughs> it was not delivered you till you became a believer in your heart. You obeyed it. Then the deal was over. Sometimes <coughs> the FedEx guy, he'll bring a package. Some things have to be signed for. When we get the Bibles, if it's a FedEx person that I'm familiar with, they know me, they know they can trust leaving it there, they leave it there. But some FedEx drivers, they won't leave it unless you sign for it and show that you received it. Because then it has been proven to them it was fully delivered. And that's what God's looking for. He's not just looking for somebody to go to church and to leave with nothing. If you leave with nothing, you didn't receive what God was trying to deliver to you. You got to sign for it, honey. You got to sign for it. How do I sign for it, so to speak? From the heart, I believe. There's no experience of righteousness without believing from the heart. Now let's go back to Hosea 10, 12 again. 
so to yourselves in righteousness. That means faith in the sacrifice. It doesn't mean anything else. So to yourselves in righteousness. And for those people who would say, well, you know, it's just the Word of God. And that's true. All the words of God's mouth are in righteousness. Proverbs 8 and 8. Therefore, everything has to be seen through the blood as we look at the pages of God's Word because only through the avenue of the cross does righteousness come. We've talked about that. Please go back and look at the first five teachings. You'll be blessed. But to sow to yourselves in righteousness is the only way that you're going to reap in mercy. So you see, this proves that righteousness only comes through the cross because only through the cross does anybody get mercy. God's not going to feel sorry for those people at the great white throne judgment. He gave him, he gave the world his son. He, Jesus tasted death, Hebrews 2, 9, by the grace of God for all men. But those people who show up at the great white throne judgment, there's no mercy there for them. The Bible speaks of God casting them into a lake of fire because they rejected the only time His mercy is offered, and that's in this life. There is no such thing as purgatory. That's a religion about money. That's all rooted in vain, uh, uh, filthy lucre. Uh, so those people can lie to you you and say, if you'll give money, we can get Uncle Luther on into heaven. And that's all about making some religious uh, uh, influence of Satan religion rich. There's no righteousness in that. You've got one shot in your life. You might live 90 years. Well, you've got 90 years to accept the mercy of God through faith in the blood of Jesus and to be able to be righteous in God's eyes. So let's look at this. To seek after righteousness, we're called to seek after righteousness so that through righteousness you might reap mercy. He tells us to break up the fallow ground. That's our hearts. That means to humble yourself. Quit believing in the these false idols, these rocks, these other gods that are not gods, these other gospels that are not gospels. There's only one gospel. It's the good news of God found through the message of His Son, Jesus Christ, and what He provided at Calvary. That is the only one and narrow way that Jesus said there will be few that find it. I thank God that He opened my eyes and I found His way, not what I think. But Romans 10 and 10 tells us that it's with the heart man believes unto righteousness. So we're seeing that the heart, it's with the heart. It's, it's with who we really are. It's not with our lips. It's not with our heads. Yes, we have to have it in the head because it has to be in the head before it gets to the heart. But it has to come in the ears and not just go out the other ear or not in the ears and just out the mouth. It's got to dip down and become who we are. It's got to become who we are. I'm going to say that again. This message we believe, this righteousness we have has to become who we are. In the eyes of God, it is who we are as the children of God. We are the only righteousness in the earth today is the church. And I mean by that, true believers in Christ and His sacrifice at Calvary for nobody else is and righteousness does not exist anywhere else. Nothing is right in the eyes of God outside of His righteousness. So, and, and look what he says. He says, and he, when he says break up your fallow ground, he's talking about your hearts are hard. 
Your hearts are hard. You need to come back to sowing again in righteousness. If you're sowing into anything else other than yielding to that form of doctrine that made you a servant of righteousness, that enabled you to sow in righteousness. Now, you couldn't do that as a lost person. You had to be born again through faith in the righteous work of Christ and He made you righteous and He made you a servant of righteousness and now you can yield to that. You can sow seed to that righteousness. And if our faith is in anything else, you name it, whatever it is, and it is in something else if it's not in the cross alone because the cross and eliminates you and from your heart you tell God the cross wasn't enough so I have to. That's an elimination from God's work. That's a hard heart that needs to be tilled and broken down again so that the seed can be sown of God's word in its righteous context. Now I'm preaching and teaching better than your amen in this morning, but it's a heart issue with God. It's not what we think is right. It's not what our parents say. It's what God says and it, that's the only avenue into his righteousness. Not just being righteous, but being led by Him in the path of righteousness. Psalms uh, uh, 23 and 3. The only way He can restore your soul is by leading you in the path of righteousness. Write it down. Take a note. You know it's in the Bible. So break up your file of ground means to, to, to sow the right seed. In, and that's in righteousness so that we can reap in God's mercy. He says, for it is time. It's time. It ain't, listen, don't put it on the back burner. Don't say that's good preaching that's good teaching and maybe someday I'll be willing to give myself. I hope you don't die today because a, 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 a later attitude toward God is a rebellious no. It's a rebellious no. God's looking for you to hear the truth and just for your heart to be broken knowing that in the eyes of God you've had your faith and the words you speak. You, you've, you've been deceived by the false prophets of today. You've had your faith in the purpose driven, the, the government of 12. You've had your faith in every little thing, the dream catchers. The, 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 listen, you've had your faith in you. You thought you could walk around the house 10 times confessing something and, and find deliverance or, or the peace of God and you never did. If you thought you did, you were deceived because God only gives peace and restoration and comfort and deliverance through faith in the blood. And you have to sow yourselves to yourselves in righteousness. You've got to sow to yourselves in righteousness. That means you've got to allow the Word of God in its righteous context to come in and till up your ground and receive that seed. That seed, there's only one seed. That's the seed of the woman who came to become our righteousness. Hallelujah. So he says it's time to seek the Lord. When? It's time to seek the Lord. And if it was time 800, 700, however long ago this was written, hundreds of years ago, if it was time then, then God is still being long-suffering. He's still being patient. He's waiting on everyone that will believe. And today... 
You may be lost, but you don't have to be lost. You may be wandering around, not knowing where you come from, how you got here, what's going to happen. You don't have to live in that ignorant state. God puts you here. He fearfully and wonderfully created you. He's the one, not your daddy. He might have used your daddy, but he's the one that puts you in that womb. He's the one that has formed you and created you, and he's got a purpose for you. Don't wander through life being beat down because you just won't accept. Christ. When you accept Christ, the one God sent, then He will open your eyes to where you came from, where you are, and where you're headed. No more sleepless nights in doubt and unbelief and fear. God makes you His own. He makes you righteous, and He puts you on a path of righteousness. Praise God. He says, but it's time to seek the Lord. God's people throughout the Old Covenant are no different than the people under the New Covenant. We wander away, we get caught up in all the fads, and we'll fight tooth and nail to cling to our golden calves, claiming that our faith is still in the cross, but it's not because it can't be in the work of Christ and something else we're doing too. You eliminate yourself from grace when you move your faith from the only place grace comes. Because grace didn't just come to save you on the first day, grace comes today, that means God shows up again today to save you from yourself again today and to do what needs to be done in your life. Hallelujah. So it is time to seek the Lord. If you're watching me, it's time for you to seek the Lord. That don't mean just going to church. That means it's time for you to seek the Lord while he may be found. And when you seek him with your whole heart, you will find him. He says, when you seek me with your whole heart, when you give your heart's mission, that's who you are from the inside, not all, well, okay, God, I'll go to church Sunday. No, when you begin to give your heart to God, desperate to know Him, desperate to know His will, desperate to, to experience this God who's not billions of miles away just sitting on a throne waiting for it to all be over, but He's right here and He's right now ready. He's telling you. He's the one speaking to you today. No, I'm not God, but He's speaking through us today telling you it's time for you to seek the Lord. Seek the Lord. He telling me again today, seek the Lord. Well, I thought you were already seeking Him. I need to seek Him again today because if I seek Him, He said I'd find Him. And if I diligently seek Him, He will reward me, praise God. Oh, that's good stuff. So it's time to seek the Lord. It's time now to seek the Lord. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 6 and 2 that today, now is the day of salvation. So you Listen, you may not make it to tomorrow. And if you never accepted Christ, you'll never see Christ until that day He cast you into the lake of fire. It's time to give the, the Lord your heart. Christians say that. When did you give your heart to the Lord? That's what we call it. When were you saved? When did you give your life to the Lord? And people say that, but they don't really know what they're saying, and most Christians don't really mean it, because if you could pour their heart out, they'd say, well, I said a prayer on that day, and well, I, I, I believed in Christ on that day because I didn't want to go to hell. But in all reality, giving Him my life... It's obvious by the way I'm living and the way I talk and the way I treat others, He is not in control of my life. I want you to know, child of God, He bought you, you're His, you're not your own. Quit living as if you were. 
quiet up in here. Quit living as though you're in control of your life. He bought you. If he purchased you, that means you belong to him. You need to honor him, seek him, magnify him. Your life should be an expression of the one who found you dead in sin and loved you and saved you, brought you near unto himself. Praise God. Amen. So it's time right now. Don't wait for Sunday. Don't wait for Wednesday. Don't wait for some Bible study. Seek him now. Cry out to him now. It's time now to seek the Lord when he comes so he can reign righteous. Now look at the end of Hosea 10 and verse 12. It's time to seek the Lord till he comes and reigns righteousness upon you. Well, this is prophetic of Jesus coming, the one who is righteous and, and, and the latter rain being Jesus coming and, and, and giving us the reign of righteousness, not just the R-A-I-N uh, as the old covenant had a type and a shadow. The R-A-I-N in the old covenant was a type and shadow of the R-E-I-G-N in the new covenant. He reigns, God reigns by grace through righteousness in our lives. That's in Romans chapter 5. Grace reigns through righteousness. And grace of God is God doing something. So God in our life reigns by what He does through the righteous work of Calvary and that being where our faith is. And then when we place our faith in the cross we're sowing we're sowing to ourselves in righteousness for there's no other place to sow in righteousness except through faith in Christ and what he did at Calvary. It's not just Christ, and I need to say that. It's not just Jesus. It's just Jesus and what he did at Calvary. Without that righteous work of being humble and becoming obedient unto the death of the cross, you're not sowing seeds in righteousness. God's words are all found in righteousness, but they will have no effect on your life without your faith being in the sacrifice. None at all. God's word cannot affect you unless your faith is in the cross. Because if your faith is not in the cross, then faith cannot come to you just because you read the word or declare the word. Faith only comes when you hear the word of God in its righteous context. And it can only come to you in its righteous context if you are found in that righteous place, which is faith in Christ and what he did at Calvary. Every preacher, every child of God today whose faith is in anything other than Calvary, the righteousness of God's Word cannot bring faith. Oh, the only thing that can happen is the flesh can be sowed to, not righteousness. We can't sow, listen, we can't sow to ourselves in righteousness unless our faith is in that one righteous work God provided at Calvary in Christ. You're disagreeing, but you have no scripture to disagree. You're mad, but you have, no, you have really no real reason to be mad. Maybe you just don't like uh, the preachers. Maybe you, you, know, you have no excuse today because we've not called other people's names that are preaching false doctrine, which is 99.9% .9 of all preachers today. 
let me say it again, and I believe it with all my heart, 99.9% .9 of all preachers, they may know the way to be saved. Praise God for that. But once the people are saved, they are not preaching and teaching the same message so they can continue to sow to themselves in righteousness. And we've used God's word for years out of its righteous context, the wrath of heaven, has been, the wrath of God has been revealed from heaven against us. How do I know? Because we're still stuck in a fleshly, puffed up, corrupt way as the church. Not doing what we should be doing. Amen, Brother Curtis. And the Bible doesn't say here in Hosea 10 and 12 to, to seek him. It says, seek him till he come. Seek him till he come. This Sunday stuff, well, I'm going to church to seek God. Praise God you did. But Monday morning, you better wake up seeking God till he come. Jesus did come. He provided the way of righteousness as he is the way of righteousness, but only through his death is he that way of righteousness. And he's coming back again. And when he comes back this time, he's going to reveal himself as the king of righteousness, not to just those who are his, but to all all the world. He is going to reign for a thousand years as the man, the Lord Jesus Christ on this earth and the whole world practically is going to hate him because he's going to be able to reign. Listen, if folk hate Donald Trump, who's just trying to do the right thing, they're going to hate the one who is the right thing. And I mean, you think folks are gone off their rocker now for hating somebody that appears is only trying to help America? Wait till the one who created America shows up. Wait till the one who controls the rain, the weather, and what comes up out of this green earth we live on is sitting on the throne as a man is here. Wait till he comes and the Bible, my friend, my Christian family, you better hear me, the Bible says seek him till he come. Get that thought out of your mind. He's already come. You better seek him till he comes again. You're called to seek him till he comes because when he comes, the, even this time, next time, he's going to reign righteousness again when he comes. And it's going to be like we've never seen it. The Bible says that he judges and makes war in righteousness. Think about that. All God's judgments are in righteousness. That's why the Apostle Paul said all the secrets of men's hearts are going to be judged by my gospel because only through the gospel that Paul preached is the righteousness of God revealed. Our hearts were judged as guilty when we heard the gospel. God's judgment was pronounced to us, being delivered to us. When you heard the gospel, God's judgment of guilty was coming, but God's reach of love, mercy, and grace, salvation, and deliverance was right behind his decree of guilty was I will set you free. I will deliver you. Hallelujah. But first, you have to be judged as guilty, as dead in sins. And that's what the gospel is. It's a revelation. It's a revealing. It's the illumination of God's word to us so that we can know we're on the right path, experiencing the fruit that can only be experienced on the right path, that being the path of righteousness. Man, that was a mouthful. Praise God. We need to go back and listen to this again. My Lord. We all just go get a dilly bar this morning. <laughs> yeah. 
Just, just joking. Think about that. He judges all his judgments are in righteousness. And in, in the book of Psalms, you know, in, the, in, in Psalms 119, God's Word, I think in every single verse, and there's a hundred and something verses in Psalms 119, and I think in every single verse except for maybe one is the Word called something. The precepts, uh, uh, the statutes, your Word. But one of the words used for God's Word is judgment. Because all his, he, he only judges in righteousness. That's why Jesus tells us in John 7, 24, judge ye righteous judgment. Don't judge by outward appearance. Judge righteous judgment. That means according to what I've done for you at Calvary and my word. My word in the context of righteousness. God's word is out of the context of righteousness if it does not point to Christ and his righteous word. That's why, and I always love saying this, the, uh, James would say that God's word is our perfect law of liberty. So if God's word is our perfect law of liberty, but there is no liberty except through the work of Christ at Calvary, God's word has to always be in that context. Always. The word of God. And I know there are people right now, I've heard of, uh, even recently of people who make this comment that everything in the Bible is not about the cross. You know what? It may not be about the cross, but it's referring you, pointing you to the cross of Christ. If it doesn't, then it's pointing you to something you have to go to and you'll do it without the power of God. Because if, listen, Jesus said the scriptures are about Him. Amen. And for the scriptures, you know, and some people say, well, my faith is in the cross. It's not necessarily in the Word of God. Well, it has to be in the Word because the Word is how you heard. The Word of God is how you got the Word about the cross. Amen. No, I heard a preacher. Well, he was preaching to you from the Word about what Christ did at Calvary. So think about that. But it says in the end of this 12th verse of Hosea chapter 10 till he comes and rains righteousness upon you. Now I understand this is old covenant and I understand that some years later Jesus would come and him reigning righteousness on the nation of Israel was rejected. They rejected his righteousness. They rejected him as king and lord of all, as the son of God. They rejected him, therefore they reject the righteousness of God. Their hearts were not tilled up. They did Listen, they're, they're, they, they couldn't reap in mercy. They wouldn't break their fallow, they wouldn't break their hearts up. They wouldn't receive Christ. The heart is hard. It's deceitfully wicked above all things, Jeremiah said. And, and who can know it? Nobody can even know their own hearts. Our hearts are hard as a rock. And the only thing that can break that rock hard, hard open is the gospel. That's it. Nothing else. Not the loss of a, a, a loved one. Not the, a horrible accident or some horrible disease. And maybe you start acting all different. But that heart is still hard as a rock until the gospel penetrates and breaks open that hard heart. 
That's the only thing that can. I used to think when I was real young that everybody in the nursing home was saved and on their way to heaven because they were old people until I started going in the nursing home. And man, there's some wicked folk in the nursing home. And I'm not talking about folk in there who've just lost their mind and now they're wicked and they used to be all... No, I'm talking about people who are still in their right mind and they don't want to hear anything about Jesus at all. They told me, this woman told me one day, I don't want to hear anything about that, but there's, she could talk about anything else in her right mind. So, you know, we, growing up, we get deceived a lot of times and we have these preconceived ideals <clears throat> that just because people are older, surely they're saved. Man, I remember being a young boy. The first time I came, I'll never forget this, and maybe it's happened to everybody, I don't know, because kids think everybody that's an adult knows everything and has all the answers. But I remember coming across the first dumb adult in my life. And I thought they were joking at first. And I was like 13, 14. This was a grown man, several, many years older. And, I, and, and, and he was not retarded. But I, and, and we were talking, and, and I'm, I'll never forget walking away thinking, he's dumb. He's a nice guy, but he's dumb. And I'm like, that just really tore me up, and I've never forgot it because I thought, I thought all adults knew everything. So you've got to be careful what you think, amen? Everybody in the nursing home ain't saved. Everybody that's in church ain't saved. All preachers that are in pulpits ain't saved. If their faith's not in Christ and His atoning work alone at Calvary without their addition to that, they can't have grace. They can't have mercy. They can't have anything God's offering. So at the end of this verse 12, and I know we've been stuck here, and I've got so many notes on this. We're liable to be teaching on righteousness. I ain't no telling how long. But he says, seek Him till He comes. Christianity's got this bad plague in, among us in the church. We sought him to be saved and now we're not seeking him no more. I want you to know you're as desperate today as you've ever been. I don't care how much God has blessed you. I don't care how much scripture you know now. Even for those of us who God has brought into this great knowledge of the truth of Christ and Him crucified and we're living out and watching Him conform us into the image now of Christ and, and, and learning what it means to work out our own salvation as He works in us both to will and to do of His good pleasure. I don't care how much church you've been to. I don't... It, listen, praise God for all these things, but we're still as desperate today for Him as we've ever been. What do you mean by that? If Jesus said, Curtis, you can't do one thing, you can do no thing without me, then I'm desperate for Him. And He was talking about fruit bearing. Fruit bearing. That's the context of John 5. Fruit bearing. You can bear no fruit without me. And the fruit that can, the only fruit that can be bare is the fruit of righteousness. The fruit of his working. Pretty soon we'll be uh, preaching, I feel like, on that Sardis church in Revelation chapter 3. I hit on that a few times and, and said a few things about that a few times, but coming soon, the Lord's stirring that in my heart. We will hone in on that. And, and I tell you what, uh, because that Revelation chapter 3, the church in Sardis, which Jesus loved and showed up through a letter from John and, and reminded them that, you, listen, you've got a name that you're alive, but I, I say you're dead. And what I say is the only thing that counts. I say you're dead. He says, your works are not perfect before me. Wow, that's amazing. 
But everybody else in the whole community says you're a church alive. And a church alive is worth the drive. But I say you're dead because your works are not perfect before me. What does that mean? That means that he was no longer being allowed to work in and through them because their faith had been shifted from the cross, the sacrifice of Christ alone, to whatever else it was in. And that eliminates the perfect work because he's the only one who can do a perfect work. We can't do a perfect work. We can yield ourselves and sow ourselves to righteousness so that he can do the work that reflects who he is in righteous fruit. Now, I don't, listen, I don't care where you go to church. I'm not interested. I don't care who your preacher is. I'm not interested. Show me Jesus. Show me Jesus. That's what you're here to show me. Not your denomination, not your preacher. You're here to show me Jesus. Express to me Jesus. That's why Christians are on the planet. And when that's taking place, and hear me this morning, in the narrow avenue, that can only happen when the Christian's faith is in the cross of Christ, the righteous work of Christ. Most Christians think that just because they got in through that avenue that now anything they want to do is a righteous work. That's what the church in Sardis thought. That's what the people at the great white throne judgment, a lot of them will say. Didn't we do this? Cast out devils and wonderful works and prophesy in your name? They thought they were right. They thought they were doing things in the name of the Lord. But so did the Jews when they crucified Jesus. You can be deceived today. Can I get a witness? You cannot know that you don't know. That's what deception is. I don't know that I don't know, but I believe I do. God forbid that we use His Word out of its righteous context, which means it's got to contain the gospel. For only in the gospel is the righteousness of God revealed. Not just for a faith to salvation, but it says from faith to faith. Because the just shall live. We got life, but we are living by faith. And the proof of that is the Apostle Paul said, the life I live now after being born again, the life I live now is by the faith of the Son of God that loved me and gave himself for me. Oh, this is such an important teaching today. For if the fruit is not that of righteousness, it's a work that's not that of God. And the only avenue of righteousness is the work Christ provided at Calvary. As long as your faith is in that alone, the Holy Spirit is allowed to do the perfect work in you and it will result in the expression of Christ. Listen, I'm not talking about sinless perfection. I'm talking about a place of being conformed into the image of Christ, being changed. I'm not talking about getting on Facebook when you can't even tithe and pay your bills and all sorts of other stuff wrong, but you're on Facebook preaching, throwing scriptures out and talking all these negative things about people, but you yourself are not found faithful. And listen, you don't get mercy because you cry out for it. You don't get grace because you cry out for it. The only place the Lord can be sought and found is at Calvary. I'm going to say that again. The only place He can be sought and found is at Calvary. 
You ain't going to find God in a church unless the message of Calvary is in that church. You're not, you, listen, you're not going to find God on some TV preacher through some TV preacher unless that TV preacher is presenting the gospel of Christ and Him crucified. Not going to find Him. And you don't find God, you don't find the benefits of God. Amen, Brother Curtis. So, we're not called just to seek God. We're called to seek Him till He comes. And, and don't stay under the plague that's on the church today. Well, I sought Him and I found Him and now I'm not seeking Him anymore. Let me tell you something about Christians. Every Christian that's seeking God is different and they stand out and it's obvious there's something about them. They're not making excuses as to why they think they can still drink alcohol or go to the clubs. Listen, you ain't seeking God in a bottle. You ain't seeking God in no club and you're to be seeking until He comes. Habitually, diligently seeking. You ain't seeking God in no nightclub. Mm -mm -mm. Well, I don't believe you, preacher. I, I was seeking God when I was... No. God may be dealing with you, but are you seeking Him? He may be convicting you, but that ain't the same thing as you seeking Him. God, Paul, what Paul say? I'm, I'm, I'm now. I'm going after to apprehend that which has apprehended me. When the Holy Spirit convicts you of sin, righteousness, and judgment, if you are found right in God's eyes, it's because you've accepted that, received that, and now you are going after the one who came after you. Amen, Brother Curtis. So when he says, till he comes and rains righteousness upon you. We've got about eight minutes left. Let's look at Romans chapter 3 again, verse 22. It's a, it's, a, it's a wonderful scripture. And in my previous teachings on righteousness, this is one of those verses that stuck out, stuck out huge and that we need to understand about righteousness. He didn't just send it to us to declare us, but he sent it to us so he could clothe us in it. It's what was symbolized in the Garden of Eden when he rushed in and he gave them the message of the cross and resurrection life through the sacrifice. And then this is how it's going to happen. When you believe in the sacrifice, God killed the animals, the sac sacrificed animals, then he clothed them with the skins of animals and he was showing them that one day it wouldn't be the skins of animals but it would be the very righteousness through this sacrifice offered to you that you would be clothed in. It would not only be sent to you to be who you are but it would be you would be clothed with this righteousness. So in Romans chapter 3, verse 22, write it down, highlight it, never forget it, and watch what it says. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, don't scratch out that phrase, by faith of Jesus Christ, and if you've got a translation that says by faith in Jesus Christ, scratch that out and put back what should be there by the faith of Jesus Christ because it was His faith, by grace, through faith, He tasted death for all men. It was by his faith and the, 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 the latter part of this verse will, will bring our part in. Amen? The latter part of this verse will, is, is our part. Watch this. Even the righteousness of God which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all 
should be all caps right there, and upon all should be all caps right there, them, here comes our part, to believe. Our faith in him, our believing unto righteousness from the heart, for there is no difference to the Jew, to the Gentile, whoever, not that works, but who believes. Just believes. Are you getting this today? It's to you, but it's to be upon you as well. And if you look back at what Hosea said, he said, till he comes and rains righteousness upon you. He has rained his righteousness upon us. He has clothed us in his robes of righteousness. And that's what they are. They're the linen garments of his righteousness that we can call, it's not really our righteousness except that it, we're in Him. Only because we're in Him through faith in His death at Calvary, His righteous work. So the question is, is our linen garments, is, is our robes of righteousness being seen daily? Is, is, do we have the fruit that we have on the, the garments of righteousness? If our faith is in the cross, we do. Not if we say our faith is in the cross. If our heart is given, sowing into righteousness. That's what Romans said. You can't separate Hosea 10 and 12 from Romans chapter 6. Yield yourselves. That means you obeyed from the heart. You, you allowed this seed that was being offered. You delivered by the Holy Spirit, really not even a preacher. The Holy Spirit was ministering the seed through the sower, the preacher, and it was he was delivering, offering it, and when you received it, you were God stamped you and said, Delivered. Delivered. It's been delivered. It ain't delivered till you get it. If it's what that package is, it ain't delivered. He brought it, he set it there, but you got to get it in your heart for it to be delivered. Amen. Better than I thought it was going to be. So, so notice Romans 3.22, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ. Remember when Peter got rebuked by Paul face to face in Galatians chapter 2. Paul's telling about the story of what happened when they were in Antioch when he had to rebuke Peter face to face when Peter stepped into a big boatload of hypocrisy and ran over to be with the law keepers again because he feared them. And Paul stood up and preached the message again to Peter of justification. said, Peter, we're not justified by works but by the faith of Christ. His faith now has given me the measure of that faith. The death he tasted by that grace, what God was doing in him, I get to taste of the same grace and that's why the writer of Psalms said, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. You can't see until you're born again. That means you've tasted the blood of Jesus, the flesh of Jesus. Oh, taste and see. Praise God. The righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, it's, it's unto all. It's unto all. And upon all them that believe. It's unto all and upon all them that believe. It doesn't matter how the world views you 
or how the church views you. If your faith is in Calvary, in God's eyes, even if you are going back out there and living under the law, in God's eyes, you're righteous in Christ. In God's eyes, He's cloaked you with the robe of righteousness. He just wants you to come back and stop living as though you're under the law and live again as you as you are in the place that He sees you under grace. See, you are under grace as a child of God, so don't live any longer under the taste-nots and the touch-nots and the days and the holidays and the feast days. And We can only do God will honor a beanie on my head or a shawl on me. No, Jesus even told the woman at the well, listen, the time is now when you're not going to worship God there or there, but He's looking for true worshipers that will worship Him in spirit and in truth. Those that will simply believe that Jesus is the Messiah through the work He did at Calvary. They will leave their faith there and they will experience what they really are wearing. It's time for the church to wake up and begin to experience who they really are in Christ. And it's not a puffed up thing about who we are. It's who we are in Christ. The emphasis is in Christ because if we're anything, it's because we're in Christ. If we're righteous, it's because we're in the righteous one. If we have peace, it's because we're in the king of peace. Whatever it is, it's because we're in him. So let us experience him. And I didn't get time. I'll make a note here and we'll start here uh, next week. It's 10 o'clock already with 2 Corinthians 9 and 10 that says, Now he that ministers seed to the sower both ministers bread for your food and multiply your seed sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Going to be good next week right here at 9 a.m. Central Time. Don't forget to share this message. Please share the message. Don't be ashamed of the gospel and help us pray for us so financially to the ministry at thecrosswaychurch.com. God bless you. We love you. And until next time, stay determined to know absolutely nothing but Christ and Him crucified. God bless you.